Welcome to Return of the King, Straight Talk About End Times. This is not a sermon series. This is a short-term class that we're offering over the course of about eight weeks here beginning in December 2015 uh, and going through at least January of 2016. Uh, we're going to look at what leads up to the return of Christ, what comes after the return of Christ, and everything in between. And so um, we're going to be trying to take this from a biblical standpoint rather than a popular culture standpoint. Some of what we talk about here may be different than what you've heard before. And so thanks for tuning in with us. If you're listening online as we're going through this course, please feel free to email me uh, through our website or neil, N-E-I-L, at cypressstreet.org anytime with any questions you might have, and I will certainly try to get to them as we go through this course. Uh, Thanks for listening. Here we go. Okay, welcome to the first week of Return of the King, uh, titled Gaining a Clean Slate. And first thing I wanted to do is just really start, try to get us to square one, because uh, a lot of us have heard a lot of different conflicting reports about what to expect uh, at the end of times, and chances are a lot of what I'm going to talk about and share with you is very different from what you've heard uh, in mainstream Christianity here in America. So before I can dive in as just Pastor Neil here talking to you about um, all this end time stuff that you've never heard of before, I felt like uh, I should probably tell you why you should even listen to me in the first place. Uh, and rather than, you know, so these doctors and people who might be telling you something different that might seem more qualified than me, and that's certainly a fair question. So I uh, wanted to address that first. And so to do that, we uh, began our class talking about uh, what's called premillennial dispensationalism, and that's a big fancy word uh, for the popular views held by things like the Left Behind series and uh, taught by teachers like David Jeremiah and uh, John MacArthur, John Piper, different ones that are popular teachers nowadays, uh, but not certainly taught by everyone. And so we began the class talking about uh, the fact that it is a relatively new idea in the, over the course of Christianity that it didn't really crop up until the 1800s and uh, really even today is still limited to parts of Christianity in America and uh, some other Western countries, but certainly not the predominant view of Christianity today and certainly not in years past. And we discussed how um, giants of Christian theology like Augustine, Uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Wesley, uh, the list could go on, you know, modern day people like uh, N.T. Wright, Richard Foster, different ones, uh, the Church of God, Anderson that we're a part of, none of those folks um, subscribe to the theology of premillennial dispensationalism. And so, Uh, We're just beginning to say that what I'm going to share with you is not uh, something outlandish or unheard of, but rather more mainstream than what seems mainstream today, if that makes any sense. Uh, And one of the first things that we did in this course is listen to a, uh, it's called a seven-minute seminary clip, 
by a professor named Ben Witherington III that teaches at Asbury University in Kentucky. It's a well-reputed uh, Wesleyan background university there in Kentucky, and he is uh, he shares some videos on the topics of end times that, uh, as a seminary professor, just short clips that are digestible for us. And so we're going to listen to one of those clips today as he talks about kind of the history and background of rapture theology and other tenets of the popular Left Behind series and that brand of theology that we call premillennial dispensationalism. And so uh, let's we'll begin this course with that, and and then you'll hear the recording begin of our class time together that came after that video. So enjoy. So where did dispensationalism come from? Let me tell you the story. First thing to be said about a dispensational reading of the Bible is it didn't exist before the 19th century. In fact, it didn't exist before about 1820 or so. And it really began in a little revival in Glasgow in Scotland. And there was a teenage girl named MacDonald, a good Scottish name, um, who claimed to have a vision of a pre-tribulation rapture of the church out of this world into heaven. Now this event might have come and gone and not left much of a mark on the church itself, except that there was a certain reverend named Darby there who uh, heard this, became convinced that this theology was correct, began preaching this, and Reverend Darby uh, was one of the founders of the Plymouth Brethren denomination in the 19th century. Now again, this might have been a flash in the pan, a very small Christian sect with a peculiar belief that nobody in the first 1800 years of church history had believed in, um, except that Mr. Darby took, uh, took his gospel of the rapture to the United States. And he came in contact with the Billy Graham of his day. His name was Dwight L. Moody founder of the Moody Bible Institute and Moody Press and all of that. Moody became the sort of worldwide disseminator of this theology of dispensationalism and a pre-tribulation rapture on both sides of the Atlantic and for a very long time. And then we were off and running. Uh, what happened next is there began to be novels, not the Left Behind series, but earlier novels. One was called Jesus is Coming written by a Chicago entrepreneur who had become enamored with this theology of Dwight L. Moody. Moody Institute founded in Chicago. He had a lot of influence in Chicago. Then even later than that, we have what is known as the Schofield Reference Bible. C.I. Schofield is the person who uh, came up with this idea of not merely having a study Bible with chain references in the margin, but actually putting headings in the biblical text, like Jesus predicts the rapture, and then having study notes at the bottom of the page, so that the ordinary person who buys a Bible would go, well, look, it's right there in my Bible. The heading in the middle of Matthew 24 says Jesus predicts the rapture. It must be true, right? 
So we're really off to the races now in the early part of the 20th century with the Schofield Reference Bible and other resources. Somewhere in the mid-20s, um, this lay theological movement, and I would stress this was a theological movement not based on the study of the Greek New Testament or the Hebrew Old Testament, but, but uh, a lay theological movement that spread throughout the United States and in various places around the world. Somewhere in the mid-1920s, there was a felt need to shore up this theology with scholarly support and scholarly exegesis. And so you had the Dallas Theological Institute founded in the 1920s by a Presbyterian minister. Uh, this eventually became Dallas Theological Seminary. So the, you had two major centers of study of dispensationalism in America, one in Chicago and one in Dallas and both in the Midwest of the United States. Now, if you study the history of Dallas Theological Seminary and you look at the names of their presidents um, involving a lot of well-known names along the way, uh, you'll discover that most of those folks continued to propagate the gospel of dispensationalism by writing books, uh, uh, various kinds of books like Armageddon and Mideast Oil by uh, Professor Wolvert or President Wolvert. Um, and then, of course, the famous Timothy LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins series, the Left Behind series, which led to this most recent movie about a rapture and the Left Behind uh, phenomenon. What you need to understand about this is that for 1800 years of church history, nobody believed this theology or thought it was an accurate way of interpreting the Bible. Today, when we look at it, we can realize it's a relatively modern phenomenon. And as a modern phenomenon, it's, it's unique to the Western church. Uh, it's unique to certain forms of Protestantism. In other words, it's not a Catholic theology. It's not an Orthodox theology. And actually, only a minority of Protestants have embraced this theology. So what we need to say about this is that if it's not well grounded in the exegesis of the Bible, it should not be embraced. And in fact, it isn't. There is no theology of the rapture in the New Testament. So what I like to say about all this is the left behind theology needs to be, wait for it, left behind. So let's just, you know, review kind of what is uh, the popular belief. Uh, hopefully you kind of got some quick facts put down as, as we talked about all that. But let's talk a little bit about uh, end times, some, just a synopsis of what's the popular belief now and, and, um, and kind of go from there. So you'll have this section in the middle, end time synopsis. We'll kind of fill it out one at a time. Uh, but it kind of, I mean, there's certain signs that you look for and so forth. Uh, but eventually, at any moment, there will be a secret rapture. And we, and we all love to joke about it, even if we don't believe it. You know, that, hey, maybe the rapture just happened. Why, where did where'd they go? You know, <laughs> it's a, am I left behind? Anyway, uh, so secret rapture is the first thing on there. If you've studied this at all... Um, then you know you may be familiar with. There's a verse where Jesus talks about 
Um, you know, two people will go out into a field, one will be taken, one will be left behind, and so forth, um, that a lot of that's based on, and we'll, we're going to get to that uh, through this series. I was, that one was an eye-opener to me as I even started studying for this, and it was like so obvious what Jesus was saying, and I totally missed it before. Anyway, uh, so that's kind of the first thing that happens, right? So all the Christians, gone. <laughs> like, you go to sleep one night, and if you're not as good as your spouse, then you may be left behind in your bed, <laughs> you know, in the next morning. Uh, you'll be gone. They'll be gone. So that's one. And the people who are left behind, what happens to them? Anyone want to venture? the? <laughs> what happens to the people that are left behind according to, you know, what's popular in our culture. Tribulation. Tribulation, yeah. All right, and so during the tribulation, what's going on? Not yet. That comes after the tribulation, but we're going to get to that. Yeah. That is what comes next on your list. <laughs> you are right about that. <laughs> but as part of the, uh, like, just describe for me what, what happens during the tribulation. Troubles and persecution. Okay. But it basically, everyone who's still alive has a second chance, don't they? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Isn't this the time period when the mark of the beast takes place? You know, that happens. The Antichrist, all those things. Um, there's lots of trouble going on during the tribulation. Uh, then there's a kind of a battle of Armageddon. And then we get into the thousand year reign, which is the next thing on your list there. Thousand year reign, and it's the thousand year reign of who? Christ. Yep. So Christ returns, reigns for a thousand years on the earth. Uh, Returns with those people who evaporated seven years before and reigns on earth for a thousand years. So, and I believe he sets up the kingdom out of Jerusalem, if I'm not mistaken, and the temple's been rebuilt by that point and things like that. Um, And this thousand-year reign is actually kind of the basis for how we get, like, pre-millennial, post-millennial, all-millennial. It's that thousand-year reign, and it's what people believe that is. And it's funny to me, this is kind of why I'm not planning on talking a lot about those categories, because... The millennium, the thousand-year reign, is talked about in one chapter of Revelation through the whole Bible, and uh, which is, and we'll get into some of Revelation as we go through this. But you know that one aspect of what people believe about end times has become the thing that that describes you know which category you fall into, and there's a lot more about end times than just the thousand-year reign and where that falls and so forth. So. Um, so we're going to talk about that as well and then the next thing that happens after the thousand year reign is Satan is released 
during the thousand year reign he is contained and then Satan is released and then that's when the final judgment takes place the final judgment and then I've got a plus at the bottom with an I and that stands for Israel and this is a, a key component of premillennial dispensationalism, but I wasn't sure where to put it in the flow because it's just kind of interwoven in the whole thing. Is is this? You know, you, you've probably heard a lot people talk about um, you know what's going on in Israel as affecting end times, right? And so you know, the nation of Israel, the temple needs to be rebuilt, and and certain things need to happen within the nation, the like political nation of Israel those people need to be restored and so forth uh, That's that there's prophecies in the Old Testament that haven't yet been fulfilled and so as those are fulfilled then the end times will unfold and, and so it's kind of woven throughout uh, and that's gotten really interesting I mean the people that get really into this theology they write some very interesting books about Middle Eastern oil and, and they do more than write books I mean there's people who are going taking you know building companies to go search for oil in Israel um, because they believe that by if they can strike oil in Israel, then they'll have the money to build the temple or whatever they need to do. You know, they'll have the, uh, the political capital and so forth. And, uh, and, and I even heard one guy was talking about how uh, there's a verse in the Bible somewhere that says uh, that in the promised land there... There was treasure in the earth or something like that, and he believes that means oil is under the earth in this particular spot, and so he's drilling, <laughs> or he's trying, you know. So, I mean, people take this in interesting ways, and Israel is definitely interwoven with it. What were you going to say, Dale? Uh, you skipped over H and H just before Heaven and hell. Sorry about that. Heaven and hell. After final judgment... Um, people are sent either to heaven and hell. Final destination is reached. And so this kind of encompasses the popular belief of our day and I don't I don't think you know most of us probably aren't well versed in all those things step by step what order it comes in but we've we've heard you know that it's um, we've heard you know definitely about the rapture and about being left behind and we've heard about tribulation and we've heard about a thousand year reign and we've heard about all these things and we've heard about the Israel stuff in bits and pieces of that, that has you know something to do with it, and uh, so we just kind of have these bits and pieces ideas that are sprinkled in with our theology because that's what's popular now. So, what we're going to do in this um, series is there anything you would add to this, like stuff you've heard um, and you're not sure if it falls into this or not, or just you know popular stuff you've heard maybe it from a friend or coworker or whatever that we haven't covered in this little... I guess one thing you said that surprised me was that D.L. Moody was involved in spreading this. I thought he was an early church of God uh, evangelist or singer or something. He was an early church of God history. Uh, Moody, you know, I'm sure he had influence, but um, I don't think he was involved with the church of God, at least not directly, which, and that brings me up to another point that I forgot to mention is, you know, I put all those names up there with all the guys that didn't believe, you know, this particular theology, 
that's popular nowadays, but that doesn't mean that they all had it right either or that we're going to have it exactly right. There's, uh, I mean, Martin Luther felt like the Antichrist was the Pope <laughs> because that was, and in a sense, he may have been right. You know, there's a, uh, and we'll, we can get into that later, but it was kind of the Antichrist of his day as he was fighting this battle um, against something that was really, he felt like attacking the true church. And, uh, and so that's interesting. The, uh, even in the Church of God, one of, our, one of the main founders, you know, maybe you've heard of the name, if you've been in the Church of God for a while, you've probably heard the name Warner, right? Warner Press, Warner University, different things like that. Well, D.S. Warner is one of the founding fathers, if you will, of our church movement. And he had some very strange beliefs about end times that the Church of God doesn't espouse anymore, partly because... I mean, from what I've heard, he even believed there was, that the second coming was going to take place in the 1800s, and clearly we passed that. <laughs> so, so just to say, you know, that, that there's people kind of all over the map on stuff, and, and so we just have to kind of be careful about what we believe and make sure that it's backed up by and clearly stated in Scripture. So what we're going to do... Um, as you can probably tell through this, we're going to start by saying that there is not going to be a secret rapture. And as we get into this series, we'll talk about why we're going to say that. But just to give you kind of a heads up, um, you know, we're going to say that that thing that didn't, that concept that didn't exist until the 1800s, we're going to say it just didn't in the Bible, and it's not. And so. Once we say that, it really kind of messes with the rest of the flow that's popular, right? Because if there's not people left behind for the tribulation, then how does that work, you know? And if there's not, uh, if that doesn't take place, then, you know, how does the rest of this fall out, you know? Um, And so we're going to dive into all that. We're going to have to rethink a lot of the things that we've assumed. And even when we get to heaven and hell, I think there's things that we have assumed that have more to do with, like, Dante and medieval thought than what the Bible actually says, you know, and we often, like I say sometimes, we, when we think of heaven, you know, we still think of pearly gates and clouds and, and harps and angel wings and stuff like that, right? And when we think of hell, we think of pitchforks and flames and tails and horns and, you know, it's just, those are the things that we picture and think of and, and that stuff, for the most part, comes from like I say, medieval times and literature and stuff that isn't in the Bible. And so there's going to be a lot that we'll get to rethink about through this. And so uh, we might mess with your heads a little bit through this series. Um, But I want to encourage you on a couple of things. One, I want you to know that this is not the biggest deal. (laughs) If it was, we'd probably just preach about it on Sundays instead of having a Sunday school class about it. this, the, the fundamentals are a big deal of it, but most all Christians believe that Jesus will return. Most all Christians believe that there will be a final judgment. Most people, you know, the core beliefs of the Bible uh, are, are what matters the most. Who, what you believe about Jesus Christ supersedes everything. Um, and our mission as a church to seek and to save those which are lost is not affected by this. However... I do think that it's, I mean, we always want to have our beliefs lined up with Scripture, right? 
and not with what's popular and not with what's fun to watch on a movie or reading a book. And so we're really just going to try to look at Scripture. And we're going to talk a lot about that next week of how we're going to arrive at the stuff we're going to talk about through this. So, um, And I want this to be... Today probably felt a little bit negative, like a premillennial dispensationalism bashing party or something, right? And I really don't want the rest of this to... I felt like we had to talk about that because if I just come in here and start telling you something different than what you hear everywhere else from everyone else, then you're going to be like, why should I listen to you over these people? And so we needed to talk about where did this come from and that kind of thing. Um, However... The rest of it, I really want it to be more of a, a positive thing than a negative thing. I want it to be more of a, you know, let's look at what the Bible says and let's arrive at what we're going to see as fundamental things that we can believe about end times. And uh, so we will get into some of Revelation, but we're going to look at other parts of the Bible too. And we're just going to seek out um, in a positive way what can we believe. And so we're not going to do a lot of charts with all-millennialism and post-millennium and pre-millennium and here's what they believe and these people believe and because I'm not really interested in what all the different political parties of end times believe. <laughs> We're just going to try to figure out what the Bible says about it and so we'll look at the key passages and, and um, that'll be good. Are there things that, you know, you're here, you have some sort of questions about all this stuff. Uh, what are some of the questions that are maybe pressing on your mind? There's no such thing as a, a dumb question here. I actually want to write down, uh, if there's specific questions that you have about end times, let me write them down so I can be sure that we cover it as we go through. Yeah, Aaron? How long? I'll write it down, and we'll be sure and talk about it. I wrote Sagan. I think I'll know what that means. <laughs> That's his evil twin. <laughs> Separated at birth. <laughs> Satan and Satan. Uh, anybody else? Are you going to address the mark of the beast? Yes. 666, okay. that's what you're talking about? Oh, well, yeah, Chips all that stuff. Skin and... right. oh. <laughs> 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 Mr. Quick, how am I Other things you've wondered about? And what made this popper catch on? It was that it gave everyone that was left behind a second chance as opposed to the second coming. If you're not ready, you're lost. Maybe. Um, but then there's, yeah, I mean, it's possible. But, but still, um, you know, what about the second chance for all the people that died before the rapture, you know? So, I mean, so it's only, that's one of the concerns people have with uh, the popular theology is that it gives people this sense that they have a second chance and they don't have to get their lives right right now. They don't have to worry about God right now. Um, You know, however, you know, if you walk out and a bus comes out of nowhere, you know, and knocks you over, then then you don't have to worry about it anyway. You're going to figure it out pretty soon. So, you know, I don't know how much that is true, but, um, but it is... I've heard that as well. That, uh, I wonder if that's where the Catholics get purgatory from. Like that's their, um, their version of the second chance. 
possibly. And then there's all kinds of levels of purgatory. Yeah, they got levels of purgatory, like levels of heaven, levels of hell. You do all kinds of ladder climbing after you get out of here. <laughs> what about all the people that died before Jesus died on the cross? What are they covered under? And along with that, there's really about those people who never even heard of Jesus. I talked to one person, I tend to agree with them, but say the uh, Native Americans haven't even heard of Jesus until Europeans came over. But I, I still feel like a lot of them that worship the Great Spirit were doing all they could to worship God. That's that's all the knowledge I had. I think they're okay. I talked to a friend of mine about that one time, and it's like, you know, almost every culture has some form of great spirit or like great creator. They just don't call him God. Like the Native Americans all believe in the great spirit and it's like represented in the white buffalo and all that stuff. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of things, you know, and you when you get into that territory and we start trying to figure out, you know, who's okay and who's not, then then we, uh, it's, you know, easy to get to the path where, well, everyone kind of believes the same thing and it doesn't really matter what you believe and, um, and so there's some kind of balance in between there and every time I start wrestling with those things of, you know, who's okay and who's not, then I get real thankful that I'm not the judge that has to figure it out and that there is a judge who sees people's hearts and and understands, you know, what's going on. And, and the same goes for really tough questions and things we deal with in our society today, like suicide or whatever. You know, I'm, always, I'm so thankful time and again that there's a, a creator God who, you know, Jesus is going to stand as the judge, not me. The most loving and compassionate man in history is going to stand as judge and judge justly. And he will see and know hearts and minds and know what's going on. And he can understand chemical imbalances and the whole nine yards, you know. And, and he can sort things out in a just way. And I'm always thankful and reminded of that. But, but yeah, we can explore those topics, too. And there's certainly still today, you know, I don't know if people realize, there's unreached people groups today that have never heard the gospel. And only, like, a very small percentage of our missionaries that we send and mission trips that people go on go to those unreached people. Um, and so, like these people that you uh, brought here, that uh, couple that brought the Jesus film thing, their mission is to go to people that never heard of mm-hmm. Jesus. And so, like you said, there's still people today. Yeah. Yeah, and even in some Muslim nations where it's really strict and locked down, and, and uh, you know, they don't, there's still people that, you know, they don't let the gospel in. So, okay. Well, if you think of another question that you've got about this uh, today or this week or as we go through this series, you can mention it to me on any Sunday or you can send it to me during the week and I'll write it down and I'll try to make sure we get to everybody's stuff as we go through. So was any of this news to y'all? It was news to me as I worked on it and it was um, pretty eye-opening and interesting and I hope it doesn't send anyone spiraling out of control. Well, I've always believed that there's a secret after what now? <laughs> but I just hang in there with me and we'll be alright. It makes you feel better. Oh, good. Thank you, Mark said about this. What I do not want to die is there any other that you would say that uh, espouses theology that we do not want to um, well, I would just say if you're looking at end times, I mean, 
anything you read about end times, if it has a lot to do with Israel, I'd, I would steer clear of it. If it has a lot to do with rapture or any, you know these things that we've kind of talked about, I'd be aware of it. Um, and, we'll, and we'll get into more details, you know, of, of why. But and and some of those things like Dallas Theological Seminary or Moody Bible Institute, if if the person that is teaching it come, you know, has a background. Out of those, you know, like there's a lot of people that come out of the Dallas Theological Seminary nowadays that are popular teachers and so forth. If they have that background, uh, or like David Jeremiah, uh, you some of you may know him from TV or whatever. Um, you know, if he actually is the pastor of the church that Tim LaHaye was at that wrote the Left Behind series, you know, and so uh, he, he's in the same camp on this kind of thing. And so, you know, people that are you know, their associations and what they're talking about would be the guiding force, I guess, on on that kind of thing. But as far as specific uh, major books, I, I can't think of any offhand that I would... Uh, Not the Sheffield Center. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if anyone reads that anymore anyhow, but <laughs> it's uh, kind of a little bit dated probably by now. That's in, that's very interesting to me. What to steer clear of because there's so much out there, and I don't want to read what's wrong. I want to read what's right. So thank you for doing this. What'll really blow your mind? We'll do this as a teaser. <laughs> All right. Yes. When when the one spot where it talks about people being left behind, and it's actually Jesus talking about it being left behind is actually a good thing whoa (laughs) so so you can just wonder about that until we get there how about that um so when are we getting there next (laughs) you got to come every week till we get there the last week no (laughs) No, next week we're really going to talk, dive into um, how we can arrive at some fundamentals and and kind of kind of outline the fundamentals. Uh, whereas this week we kind of outlined what not to believe in a sense, you know. And so next week we'll kind of outline what to believe and how we get there, uh, as kind of how we approach the scriptures to get there. And then and then we'll kind of dive into the outline more in depth through the last six weeks of it. So. Um, so that's kind of the plan. So thank you all for coming.